Hi everyone, welcome to the Landlord Association Podcast. This is a podcast by the landlords for the landlords in the greater Houston area. We'll discuss tips, strategies, techniques to help our listeners to be more educated and ultimately more successful rental property owners and investors. This was our first ever episode of the podcast, and it was a recording of our monthly Landlord Association meeting on Thursday, April 25th. We had a special guest, Derek Long from Quest Trust Company, to tell us more about the ins and outs of a self-directed IRA. It was about an hour and a half long, but you will hear some great questions from the audience about real-life examples on multifamilies, Airbnb, taxes, and also how to avoid related party transactions. So without any further ado, let's listen in. We're good, Derek. Yeah, thank you. Well, my name is Derek. I work with Quest. Right. All I deal in is self-directed IRAs as a company. As an individual, I'm a real estate investor myself, which is a lot of times why they send me to real estate groups to talk about retirement accounts for real estate. All right. So we're going to kind of dive into a lot of information. Please, please, please ask questions as we go along. This is all IRS tax code stuff, so it gets really boring. I'm going to do my best to make it as exciting as possible. Including, watch this. I have magic powers. I go click, and it changes all by itself. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That's good. Very good. Little disclaimer, though, guys. I'm only here for educational purposes. I actually have nothing to sell you. All right. This is just for education, right? I don't have, I don't sell investments. Uh, I don't provide any legal advice or anything like that. Okay. So, once again, just let me know if you have questions. Boop, boop. So, a uh, little bit about me. It says I'm from Phoenix. I didn't, I'm not really from Phoenix. I think people think that because I graduated college from there. If you do this and point out a map, I've probably lived there. So I've lived in Spain, Kuwait, uh, Russia. I've also lived in here in the U.S. as far as Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Kansas, Missouri, God, South Dakota, obviously Texas. I've lived everywhere, guys. So. I have a degree in global marketing and administration. I've also failed at a couple of different businesses. So I've been all over the place and it took me a while to find something like real estate. So, you're okay. You're okay, don't be shy, come on in. You're okay, we got some chairs there, chairs there. Right. Anyway, so that's just a little bit about me. Has anyone ever heard this term, self-directed IRAs? Okay. If you've ever hear this term, it's made up. Click. Okay. There's actually no such thing as a self-directed IRA. It is a hundred percent made up. It's a fake term. It's a marketing term. Okay. What it comes down to is the custodian that holds your retirement account. Does anyone in here have retirement accounts? A four hundred one k, four hundred three b IRAs. George, what do you have? Four hundred one k. Four hundred one k. Great. Where's your four hundred one k sitting? You know what company? Principal. Principal. Principal is a public company. Because it's a public company, they're allowed to take his 401k and invest it in public assets. What are public assets? Stocks, bonds, CDs, mutual funds, right? Well, if we take that same account and we move it to a private custodian, okay, you can now invest in private assets. The account did not change. Private assets for you guys in this room is going to be real estate. It doesn't have to be though. Private assets could be gold and silver. Cryptocurrency was a big one a few years ago. Small business, right? But for everyone in this room, for the purpose of this presentation, it's going to be real estate. Now, when we're on the real estate side of things, we call it self-directed because I have to be more 
hands-on. If George uses his 401k and it buys and sells top stocks, is he really doing anything outside of clicking a button or two? But if I'm gonna go ahead and buy a piece of real estate, that's gonna be a little bit more cumbersome, right? I actually have to do something. And so they call it self-directed, but that's why. So if you ever hear that term, it's completely made up, all right? We like to always go ahead and figure out what's best about it. Ha oh, ha, look at that. <laughs> so some of the benefits of it comes to, the first thing is the diversification. I said, there you go. I like that. So when we think of the diversification of people's wealth, all right, the majority of people have more of their wealth or their savings in a retirement account than anywhere else. Right? I have more money sitting in a 401k than I do in a checking account, and a savings account, and a brokerage account. And that's normal for most Americans. But if I ask them if their portfolio is diversified, they lie to me. And they're like, yeah, it's diversified. I have some in mutual funds, I have some of it in stocks, some of it in bonds. That's all public stuff. And when the market goes down, what happens to all of those public assets? They go down with it. So to have true diversification, it makes sense to actually take your account and put some of it on the public side and some of it in the private side. All right, now we're diversified because each thing offers a different benefit. I think I have to click next like five times. Boom. The real benefit though to using your retirement account when you do investments is really for the tax savings. Okay, so everyone in this room is a taxpayer. Anytime you buy and sell any investment, doesn't matter if it's a stock or a real estate property, what happens? We have to pay taxes on our earnings. For most real estate investors, this could be capital gains tax. Now there's some ways to defer it, you know, like a 1031 exchange or something, but you don't really get to capitalize on a lot to yourself. I can't get to the internet right now. Ooh. Check your connection or try again in a little bit. I will. I do apologize. That's not me. That is a first for me. <laughs> so when we think though of us all paying taxes, if you went and bought and sold a stock with your retirement account and your retirement account jumped up in value, did it have to pay any taxes during that? No. None. Interesting. So what if I bought a rental property and I had the rents coming in back to my retirement account? Guess what? Zero taxation. If I did a fix and flip with it, zero taxation. If I wanted to be a private lender, which is more often what I am, I typically do lending from my IRA all the interest I get back from my loan is tax-free. So I don't have to pay any taxes on the gain. So this is really the biggest benefit. The next thing though, is something that we like to call investing and in what you know best. Click, click, click. All right, so investing in what you know best. Guys, as anyone in here, I know we talked a little bit with a couple other people uh, investing in the EXP stock. Has anyone else tried to do public investing? Stocks. Yeah, sure. Let's stick with stocks. Perfect. And when you called your broker and you're like, hey, is this a good stock? What did he tell you? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't really know. All right? He's like, uh, I'm selling it to you. I get a commission on it. Yeah. So sure, why not? But if you asked them what's it really doing, why is it going to go up or why is it going to go down? Do they really know? Do you ever get good, solid advice with that? No, they just point you to the website and make you do your own research. Huh. 
Why do you think that is? I always call it the penguin. Like, hey, is this good to buy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? But let's say it's my very first time buying a rental property. Does anyone in here have a rental property? Yes. Great. Hey, George. So I wanted to keep this as a rental property, and it's in this really, really high-end neighborhood. This is a $500,000 house. Do you think this is a great house to keep as a rental property? No. Oh. What did I just do? I can actually ask an expert when I'm using my retirement account to invest in what I like to call something you know best. But if I said, hey, George, this house, it's a, it's a three-bedroom, two-bath house. It's $180,000 in a great school neighborhood. Do you think this is a good rental property? Sure, yeah, it'd be great. Huh. I can actually go to an expert and ask them questions about my investments, right? Now, I haven't really known George that long. It just sucks that you're sitting right here. Yeah. Whoever was sitting here is going to be a big one. So. Yeah, I could be lying. <laughs> but it's just something different. It's something unique, right? Keep going. Click, click. Well, there's all types of plans that can be quote unquote self-directed. The most popular is the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA. Everyone hears about this Roth IRA because they hear about the tax-free growth, right? But believe it or not, more than 83% of all investments are always done in a traditional IRA, SEP IRA, or a 401k. Why do you think that is? That's right. Most people, they spent their whole life working someplace at some sort of career, some sort of job. And their employer was taking their money and putting it into a 401k for them. They weren't putting it in a Roth IRA, they are putting it in the 401k, like George said he had it in. So this is why the majority of people's investments will usually happen in some sort of tax-deferred account, right? Any one of these plans, though, can be self-directed, and we have ways to do it with all of them. So if you have questions about them, let me know. But boom Look at that. She's getting good. There are some restrictions, though, when we come up to using your retirement account for investments. Now. Believe it or not, all of these restrictions that you see that pop up here go for the same thing on the public side. Right? There are investment restrictions with a retirement account on the public side, transaction restrictions, and people restrictions. However, typically you don't have to deal with it or see it. Right? So who do you think is the first person that my retirement account is probably restricted from doing business with? Yourself. Boom! Yourself. Now, if I'm the CEO of Apple, do you think I'm using my retirement account and buying Apple stock? Probably not, right? All of us here would be buying Apple stock. So that doesn't affect us. But believe it or not, the CEO couldn't use his account and do that. Meaning, you can't take your retirement account and go buy yourself a property and go live in it and claim, well, I'm just a renter, right? You can't go ahead and say, you know what? I need money for this loan. This fix and flip, I'm gonna lend myself money from my IRA. Can't do it. But it's not just you that's restricted. Click and then click again. One more time. <coughs> Waha, there it is. It's this neat, cute little chart. So when you guys have it memorized, let me know. <laughs> Feel free to take some pictures. But believe it or not, I actually do have this whole thing memorized. And uh, I kind of learned it by me being a dork. And I, as I stated, I fly around the whole country talking about utilizing your retirement account for this. And I have to take a lot of flights, right? And so as I fly around the country, you know, you hop on the plane and the steward is, oh, buck your seatbelt, go into the tube, got the mask on, tight. Your IRA cannot invest into you. Your spouse, your lineal ascendants and descendants, and their spouses, and any companies that they own, control, manage, 
or highly compensated by. I'm being goofy, I'm being silly, but it's to try to get the point across of what your IRA can't do. It can't invest in yourself. It can't invest in your spouse. It can't invest in your parents, and it can't invest in your kids. Why do you think that is? Right. You're, that's pretty good. It's The IRS usually says those individuals are the ones that will inherit your wealth, right? If I pass away, my brother doesn't get my money, my sister doesn't get my money, right? It's my spouse or my kids, right? Might be my parents. But typically you don't leave money to a sibling, a nephew, a niece, a cousin, an uncle, right? So those individuals I labeled are what we call disqualified. Any questions? Boop, boop, keep going. Easy crowd. If you enter into and you do some sort of buying, selling, trading, loaning, extending a service to or from your IRA, they call it a prohibited transaction. And what they do is they actually take your retirement account from you. That sucks. Before you enter into one of those, you give me a call, right? And let me see if I can't find you a different solution. There is some investment restrictions. We don't really care too much about them. Uh, it's like alcohol, collectibles, and life insurance. No one in this room is doing any of that, so we don't have to touch on that. Keep going. Collectibles. Is anyone in here buying and selling antique cars? Great. We don't have to worry about that. Next. So if you have questions about this stuff, uh, this is actually a non-automated line, and there's 18 IRA specialists like myself designed for you guys to go ahead and just interpret tax code about your retirement account and how you can use it for real estate stuff. So it's 855-FUN-IRAs. Bam, keep going. So what can your IRA invest in? All right. And anytime I say IRA, I want you to understand I'm talking about your retirement account. Okay, go ahead. Boop, boop. I always like to say it's really what are you knowledgeable in? So I believe the majority of people in this room were focusing on rental properties. Is that correct? Excellent. So what can your IRA buy? Click, it can buy a rental property. All right, we can do foreclosures and commercial condominiums. There's some limited partnerships, there's notes and convertible stuff and net profit notes, but anything really that your IRA can take title to, it can invest in. Now for most people in this room or sometimes newer investors, all it means is you have more money than you thought. If I didn't realize I couldn't use that old 401k to do some of this stuff, I wouldn't be able to be a private lender like I am. I'm 32 years old and I have a buttload of money to lend to real estate investors. Because once again, the majority of my life savings is not sitting in a checking account. It's not sitting in a savings account. It's sitting in my retirement account. Now, do you think if I take my full retirement account and I put it inside a CD or I put it inside a mutual fund, what's a good return? 2%, 3% if I'm lucky? Do you think if I took that same 401k and I said, hey, I'm gonna go and lend it to you. Would you be able to provide me a better return than 3%? Yeah, sure. Don't you guys like being able to get a loan like that? That'd be awesome. Now, realistically, I'm not gonna do that. Oh. I charge 1% a month, no points, right? But it's typically because I'm doing short-term loans to fix and flippers, right? 1% a month's a sales tactic. It's really 12% a year. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. So. Any questions before we go through a kind of a typical case study? I'm flying through a lot of this information, guys, just to make it easy on y'all. So questions, comments, concerns? Love it. Boom. So this is a real case study I actually ended up doing last year. This was out in Florida. 
my friend Brian found this piece of land and it was $9,500. So it's a pretty cheap piece of land. It's nothing expensive. It's nothing, oh my God, we're gonna get rich on this, right? And our plan was to sit on this piece of land for uh, in between 10 to 12 years. Now, what was unique about this piece of land is as of when this pitch was taken, it was in a residential area, but it was flagged as getting ready to become commercial. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of intriguing. And so we're like, all right, let's pick up this piece of land. We can buy this in our retirement account and we can go ahead and sit on it for the next 10 to 12 years and sell it hopefully for 100,000. And that's just kind of our thinking, right? Whether that's really gonna work or not, we're not sure. The downside was Brian actually, he didn't have $9,500. He only had about a little over 5,000. Right now that's not enough to do this deal. So that's why he called me. He said, hey, I need a partner. This is makes sense to me. Would you like to partner on this and come in together? Have you guys ever done that with someone, whether it's a joint venture, an LLC, et cetera? Yeah. Right? Bam. So we decided to go ahead and do this. Click, click. Bam. So once we did, we went ahead and made an offer, got accepted. And when we read the contract, this was literally the name of the buyer on the contract. It was Quest Trust Company for the benefit of Derek Long's IRA. One, two, three, four, five, as known on the buying interest of 50%. Meaning my IRA owns 50% of that piece of land, right? Instead of my IRA, once again, owning some sort of public asset, I chose my IRA to own a piece of property. And Quest Trust, Trust, Quest Trust Company for the benefit of Brian Lee's IRA, one, two, three, four, five, as known on the buying interest of 50%. So he also now owns 50% of this piece of land with his IRA. Right. At closing, each of our accounts sent off $4,750 to the title company. Pretty basic, pretty simple. Everyone in this room has experienced something like this so far. Make sense? Great. Next. There's some. Uh, so, this right here is that picture of that piece of land that I purchased. Can you guys see that? Kind of? Yeah. What is this big thing right here? Anyone, can you tell? Boom. So what happened was the guy was living right here on this piece of land. And he's lived in this house for, it probably was 30 or 40 years. And he was in his 90s. He purposely refused to sell the land to the golf course because they weren't there when he moved in. And like he was actually really irritated at him. And so uh, this is where some people say I'm mean, but oh well. He sold it to me. And once the golf course found out, they actually contacted my real estate agent and they immediately made me an offer for $15,500. What do you think we, me and Brian did? We didn't sell it. Oh, we sold it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Oh, no. So it only took us about 45 Money, days right in total. Away. Why not? Right? Uh, there were some rules in Florida where we actually had to uh, hold the property for a little over 30 days. It was like 32 days or something before we were allowed to sell it. Well, which was news to me at the time. But anyway, so we, we held on to it, we sold it, and made 15,500 bucks. Guys, I didn't get rich off this deal, obviously, right? It's nothing special. Go ahead, click, 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 boop, boop. But this means it's $7,750 went back into my account and went back into my friend's account completely tax-free. So, no capital gains tax, there was no income tax, there was no earning tax, there was nothing. This was 100% tax-free. So I like to say it's building wealth in unique ways. Click, click, 
question. Yeah. Let's say if you hold on to something like that with a longer, sure. you don't have to pay property tax. How do you pay property tax? So if you do have to pay property tax, yeah. then the IRA would be the one to pay it. I like to think of it as the IRA is the owner. Remember, in the previous slide, I didn't buy the property. Who bought it? My IRA, okay. right? My IRA actually had a legal name. It was the okay. Quest Trust, FBO, da 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 blah, 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 big, long, ugly thing, yeah. right? That is, believe it or not, a legal name. It has its own tax ID number, its own signature, its own, like, everything. Okay. So that was the buyer, meaning the IRA will have to pay the property taxes. Now, we looked into what the property taxes would be starting off, and it was about $32 a year on that piece of land. We didn't really care. I can come up with $32 each year and put it in my account to pay for it. I mean, as you saw the land, it was ugly looking. So, so that account can pay for contractor if we do a fix and flip? So if it was to do a fix and flip, all right, then the IRA would be the one to pay the contractor, right? The okay. IRA would, go ahead. Then how do you file that on, on your tax return? You don't. You don't. No. The reason why do you claim expenses? Why do you claim expenses? Why do you claim depreciation? To lower your taxes. Perfect. So So if a contractor is your friend or yourself, would that be violating the rule? It would be because then you would indirectly be paying yourself, right? But the reason you go ahead and you try to write off those expenses on your taxes is because you're paying tax. So if I'm not gonna pay any tax, guess what? I don't have anything to claim. Remember, you're so used to, you bought this property, but you didn't. Your IRA bought it. Your IRA is exempt from tax, meaning your IRA is not going to take a tax deduction. Right, but you're also not benefiting from... You're not benefiting today. You're correct. Right? Okay. I'm benefiting myself in the future. Do you plan on getting older? Oh, okay. Yeah. And if I talk to the average American, as I stated earlier, where is the majority of people's savings? Okay. If it's sitting in a 401k and I'm not truly investing it and I understand something like this, doesn't it make more sense for me to take that account and put it towards real estate, even knowing I can't touch the profit yet? Why would I let it stay in the mutual fund and get my 2% a year? It doesn't make sense. Okay. You had a question. Yes. In that case, I guess is the, the, the expense yes. doesn't really help with lowering the income. Correct. But if you are a real estate person, then mm -hmm. you kind of want those expense or those losses to offset your other income besides that investment. That's correct, right? right? Okay. And then this wouldn't be able to accomplish that. So th this method won't work, which is, believe it or not, the exact reason I typically only do lending, as I said earlier, mm -hmm. right? I like to lend to real estate investors. I've only ever had to foreclose on someone once so far. I got three <laughs> loans out right now. Let's hope that doesn't happen again anytime soon. But typically, a real estate investor will pay me a lot better of a return than I could ever get from anyone else. Not only that, guess how I find some of my rentals and fix and flips? Well, not only that, but have you guys ever been to networking events? Everyone loves the lenders. Hey man, I'm a lender. What's going on, Jimmy? Mm -hmm. Boom, yeah, I got some money to give you. What do you got for me? Right? And yeah. A lot of times I can pick up other properties as well along the way. Yeah. So it makes sense. It really does. So, so, so just one loophole that I can see, you know, mm -hmm. if you want to cash out your IA early, you can just pay your friend and that's it. 
Sort of. Okay. No, no, no. So let's go ahead and say that you decided to cash out. Yeah. So I right? pay my doctor friend a hundred grand, and then I get that. So your your friend is going to go ahead and claim a hundred thousand dollars, and then he's going to turn around and give it to you. But I don't have to ten I him. Why not? I don't want to. You better hope he doesn't get audited by the IRS, or you don't get audited by the IRS, because that's going to raise a lot of red flags. Okay. There's no paper trail. Yeah, like are you? I'm gonna make it reasonable, you know. I'm just thinking. Hey, say just kidding, since we're on recording. Just kidding. Wait that part out. I have another question. Can you? Let's say, let's say I have a, a property I want to purchase, ten thousand dollars. Can I use five thousand dollars out of my IRA account and then um, five thousand dollars out of my checking account? You can, but I want you to remember. Can you go back a few slides yeah. until where you saw the big yellow ugly name? Yeah, because I want to use right here. My so this Quest Trust Company, yeah. for the benefit of right. Derek Long, yes. is a legal person. Right. Okay. Now this is not me. This right. is my IRA. Yes. So if I wanted to partner with my IRA, and let's say it said, instead of and Quest Trust Company said yeah. and just Derek Long, right. I can do that. Okay. All right. However, everything right. has to remain to its percentage. Oh. Okay. So, so I can't pay property tax 100% out of my. No. So this means that person one, okay. meaning IRA one, owns 50%. They have to pay their 50%. Okay. You own 50%, meaning you pay your 50%. Okay. Typically, we don't see too many people partner with themselves. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? But it's strictly because they don't want to, on accident, funnel money left or right. Understand that if you go ahead and, I'm just gonna say funnel money extra to your IRA or vice versa, and the IRS finds out, they're gonna take your whole retirement account. So imagine, your whole life you went and you saved up, you have your 401k, you have this big bucket of money. And then you're like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna funnel a little bit of money to myself from this investment. And IRS comes in, they go, nope, thank you for saving all that money these last 20 years. That is all mine now. Congratulations. How often does that happen? Quite often, because people always try to get around the rule, right? People 100%, right? <laughs> All of us have to pay taxes, right? I, it sucks. Trust me, I know no one likes the IRS guys, right? But we're regulated by them, right? And it's not a quest rule. It's not a quest doing. Remember, my job is to interpret the IRS tax code. So this is just something unique that, remember, most people have more money in their retirement account than anywhere else. So when I ask that, especially to a room full of real estate investors, why isn't the retirement account invested in real estate? I get the penguin again. The, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's different. It's unique, right? Remember, everything we're talking about today is just for taking your retirement account and putting it towards real estate, right? Building something for you for the future, not necessarily today. Now, what happens when you turn 59 and a half? Can start withdrawing. I can start pulling money out, right, for myself. Meaning, in this exact situation, I could have bought this property if I was 59 and a half. I could have sold this property, 
right? And I could have pulled out all my earnings and how much would I owe in taxation in this example? Zero. Zero. Hmm. You know you're getting older, right? Everyone in this room is. It sucks, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> right? So why don't I take the time, build up my account now? By the time I hit 60 years old, why would you not do every investment inside your retirement account, knowing it can avoid the taxation? That's a big thing. That is huge. So too many times people, they get so closed-minded. They're trying to think of just today. Question. Uh, not related to this, but uh, oh. how, how come there's how come some self-direct IRA that do checkbook and some don't? And I know Quest IRA does not do checkbook. We don't do it directly. And uh, that's a great question. Who knows what he's talking about when he says checkbook control IRA? Not heard of it. Okay. A checkbook control IRA means that once you set up your retirement account, I'm going to go ahead and give you a checkbook for it. Say, so there you go. Go do your investments. I'm going to wash my hands of it. I'm going to charge you a yearly fee of your account, probably 500 bucks a year, 1000 bucks a year, whatever it is they charge for you to hold your retirement account. Doesn't sound bad. Now I have a checkbook in hand. I can go ahead and I can do this property and I could write a check straight to the title company, right? But what else could I do? I could. Could I write myself a check yeah. and go buy groceries? Or sure. pay your friends. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> He's like, I wish I would have never talked. <laughs> so what ends up happening is the IRS actually, believe it or not, says that's allowed. You can have a checkbook for your IRA. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is is more than 95% of the people will abuse that privilege, right? Because now they have a checkbook directly to your 401k. Have you ever run into money problems ever in your life, George? Never. Right? <laughs> so I want you to imagine back when you were in college, okay? And you had a small, small, small retirement account and someone handed you the checkbook to it. They're like, hey, you can't, you can't buy Taco Bell with that. You can't pay rent with that. What do you think would happen? Some beer. Yeah, <laughs> buy some beer. Yeah. And that's what typically happens. So it's not that we don't allow it. What we ask is for you to set up an entity, okay, and allow someone else to be the managing member or the trustee. Then you can get the checkbook. Most common entity we see here in Texas is a trust. Who knows why? Oh. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, I don't know why. I don't know why. In the state of Texas, trusts are cheap. It costs about $8 to set up and it takes a total of about 15 minutes, okay? So most people will set up a trust. Okay. They find a trustee that's a non-disqualified person, not, not you, your spouse, your lineal descendants and descendants and their spouses, right? My little stupid dance. So they find someone that is a non-disqualified person, a brother, a sister, a business partner, a friend, an aunt, an uncle, right? To be the person with control of the checkbook. Now on paper, there you have the control, but realistically, who has the control? The person who has the checkbook. Well, <laughs> let's say I'm Jimmy's friend, right? Yeah. And Jimmy labels me as the trustee. Yeah. He goes, hey man, do me a favor. Yeah. Pre-sign these checks, and he's gonna yeah. take the checkbook from me and walk away, <laughs> right? That's realistically what's happening, and we're not dumb, yeah. okay? But to the IRS, what does that look like now? You have someone else with a checkbook to them. So when we look at the paper trail, 
suddenly it looks a lot cleaner, right? Because you have someone else that's in control of the retirement account that's not you directly, which is why we don't offer the checkbook control directly. I can even email you an education document <laughs> for your IRA purposes to set up a trust that looks very similar to a fill in the blank. <laughs> okay. Sign me up. <laughs> so go forward a few slides. Any other questions? You start to raise your hand. Yeah. I have a question. So, like, when you have, let's say, you have a, a Facebook flip company, mm -hmm. and then you have to pay your contractors. So, when you have, when you uh, write a check to pay the contractor, yep. does the No, so typically, if you're ever going to pay a contractor, they always have some sort of receipt or invoice, which is really all you need, right? And believe it or not, you wouldn't be cutting them the check, I would, all right, or Quest would, or whoever your retirement custodian is. Don't think I'm the only custodian that does this, guys. There's four of them out there. None of them are bad, okay? So find one that you like and work with them. I don't need to as a matter of fact a lot of times and as real estate investors and agents we don't use companies right I have a friend right now my, my buddy hit my car the other day it really sucked he's like hey dude I'm really sorry about that uh, or I don't want to claim it on insurance I got a friend that can fix this real cheap we're gonna go ahead and buy the piece we'll get it installed and make it look nice and neat for you sounds good man thanks that's not a company that's a buddy of mine right mm -hmm. Same concept. As long as we're not cutting you a check for those expenses or for that contractor work, you're okay. So understand that your IRA can't give you money. Are you related to anyone in this room? No. So guess what? I could pay anyone else in this room for you. That isn't better. Friends are okay. That, that's the purpose of real estate. We all network. We all have friends here. But does it always have to be a check? What if they want cash? Do you also give them cash? So we can't be cash, but we can do a cashier's check. Oh. Okay. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. What happens if you uh, just pay cash out of your pocket? Can you get you don't ever call your IRA custodian uh -huh. and tell them that over the phone. Understand that it's not just me, because there are clients that have to do that all the time. Yeah. You're in real estate. Man, especially if you have a rental property, it's Saturday and the toilet breaks and your renters, yeah. right? You got to do something. So you head down to Home Depot and you get the problem solved. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is call me on Monday morning and say, hey, I had to spend some money out of my own pocket and go ahead to fix this property that my IRA owns. You know why? Because every phone call of ours is recorded and regulated by the Texas Banking Commission. Wow. All right? <laughs> Not only that, they get pulled once a quarter and then about 200 to 250 calls get pulled. Same with the emails. So that's the worst thing you can do. But what you can do is say, hey, hypothetically, <laughs> if I had to do something like that, what would you guys recommend, right? And I'd be like, hey, you know what you should do? You're gonna come into the office right now and we're gonna go ahead and figure out a good solution. Bring into the office, right? And I'm gonna tell you to invite your brother because I can pay back your brother for those same expenses and you show me the receipt and that can be handled on the, on the receipt does it really show you who bought the who bought no. it good credit cards do, but not cash. no 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 so actually I just bought some of my credit card right before I got here 
Oh, I think the receipt's in my card. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't show, okay. right? It doesn't show the name on the credit card. You get a bunch of X's, X, 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 two, two, one, right? Doesn't tell you anything about your credit card. Interesting. Go ahead, keep going, you're fine. So let's say I already own a property right now, it's owned by LLC. Can't do anything with your IRA with it. I can't sell it. Nope, so it's self-dealing. All right, think of it from this standpoint, all right? Could I hypothetically sell that to my IRA for a dollar? Yeah. Sure. Could I hypothetically do the reverse and sell it for a million dollars? Right, yes, that's what I want. Sure. All right. So then the next question, which is really going to be for him, okay? But you can sell it to him and then he can sell it to Oh, there, that's what I was getting at. So here's the next. Yeah, I already got you there. So always what happens next is people are like, well, can I sell it to my friend? And have him sell it to my IRA? Yeah. Can, can, yeah. Just don't it There's a statute limitation for each state, okay? And in Texas, it's really not defined. Right. So let's say you sold it to George, yeah. and he sold it then back to you a day later. Use what is the iris, and it's literally labeled as a straw man technique. He wasn't a real person. He didn't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, you might have gave him a thousand dollar comp fee or something. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Okay? It was a straw man technique. All you did is you funneled the money through to get <laughs> give yourself a benefit. Okay? The IRS doesn't like it. Okay? Anytime people try to cheat the IRS with their retirement accounts, what happens? They take it away. They say, thank you, that is mine. Okay. Your retirement account has bigger advantages than anyone else in this room. They are not subjected to tax. Okay. All of us in here, everything you're talking about, it's because you're trying to avoid tax. Your retirement account already avoids it. So when you try to bend or break that rule, the IRS takes it away. So understand there's a lot at risk here, but as you get older, things will change. Right? You have to have a little long-term thinking and understanding how to really utilize your retirement account and start to grow it. Start to grow that tax-free profits, those tax-free you know, income. And when you get older, why would you not do every investment out inside there? You wouldn't have to worry about things like that. Instead of having an LLC funnel things through, you have an IRA. IRAs have better asset protection than any LLC, any attorney can set up. Why is that? Right? The IRS strictly says that creditors and bankruptcy are not, uh, the, your retirement account is not a factor when it comes to those two things. Hmm, that's not bad. So even if you filed for bankruptcy and you had 10 houses inside your IRA, won't even matter. They couldn't touch them. So your IRA has so many benefits that you don't, and people don't really leverage it. A lot of people have these big, big retirement accounts, but it's only because they've been shoveling money in, and they don't know why. Someone told them it was a good idea. Question. How do you protect the uh, IRA from liability? So you have rental property. That Perfect. Liability. So typically, you can still sue the IRA. So if you have a renter in there, they can sue the IRA, and let's say, worst case scenario, they win. They can go after everything inside that one IRA. You can have as many IRAs as you want. It doesn't cost you anything extra at the average custodian. 
Okay, some might charge you an extra opening fee of 50 bucks or something silly, right? But that doesn't really matter. So usually when people have a lot of rental properties, what they'll do is they'll have an IRA for each individual rental property because now it's isolated. If anything was to happen, it's only isolated to that account. Now, in my specific case, I do a lot of lending. I'm not really at risk, right? I'm lending to someone, letting them take the risk. So I actually have currently three notes out, all inside one IRA, but it's a different thing, right? I'm not as exposed. Yeah. So you kind of take the good with the bad. So I guess when you start dividing it up like that, your money gets divided up and you can't combine it all to- Sure, you can oh, yeah, combine yeah. it all again. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, usually as time goes on, what you'll do is you either sell the properties, right? Claim all your equity. Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to do 1031 exchanges. It already avoids all the tax, right? There's no capital gains tax. Boom, so you get to claim all the equity. If you want, you can fund it all back into one account to consolidate it. Sometimes people don't need to because they don't mind keeping them open. Most people in today's world, they have more than one checking account, right? More than one credit card, more than one savings account, more than one brokerage account. It's normal in today's world. It really is. So, yes? You can talk about gain loss. Like, if you have, let's say you invested in assets or mm -hmm. something um it was a loss in the year and then the same asset that will be gained next year does it offset anything nope why wouldn't it offset anything there's no tax there's no tax right the reason you claim something like that as an individual or as an llc as an s corp as a c corp mm -hmm. right is because you're paying taxes right that's why you want to claim something like that but right now, if I use my 401k and I bought Apple stock and it crashed tomorrow, do I get to gain, claim anything? No. But I also didn't have to pay any tax on the front end or the back end. Right? If it blew up and I made a million dollars on it, I don't pay any tax. So the whole thought process of you trying to claim something, it's because you're still thinking you're paying a tax. Will you still pay at the distribution door when you take money out? Great question. So in my example up here, I used a Roth IRA, okay? Remember at the very beginning, I said the majority of people, oh, pretty close to 83% do all their investments in that traditional IRA, 401k, something like that, because that's where the majority of their money is, okay? If you can stomach it and take the hit now, pay some taxes up front, the Roth IRA will make more sense because long-term, never pay taxes again. If you don't want to stomach it and you start doing investments in the traditional market, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you do take a distribution, you will be taxed at your current tax bracket. Yeah. So, did what's everyone your, catch all that? What's your alternative on the Roth IRA if you already over the income limit? So that is a false statement. You can make a million dollars a year and still make a contribution to a Roth IRA. Unfortunately, CPAs are dumb, okay? and they don't realize that. There is no true income limit for a Roth IRA. If you make more, if you're married and you make more than $189,000 a year, or if you're single and you make more than $133,000 a year, all you have to do is fill out one extra sheet of paper saying that you're making a contribution to a Roth IRA. It's called a conversion form. That's it. Is that also called the backdoor IRA? Yep, backdoor conversion. Yep, backdoor Roth, backdoor conversions, whatever. That's not a legal term, mm -hmm. but a lot of people call it that, but that's why. 
So unfortunately, too many people have this concept, oh, I, can't, I don't qualify for a Roth, I make too much money. No, I'm sorry, actually your CPA is dumb. <laughs> uh, can you talk about uh, Form 990 and when we... 990T is what he's talking about. 990 or 990T, yep. uh, when you should file it and when you do not need to file it. Sure, sure, does anyone know what he's talking about? No. Okay. In our example up here, I didn't have to take a loan to do this investment, right? It was a smaller dollar amount. But let's say I wanted to do a multifamily deal, okay? And let's say I had maybe a million dollars in my account, but the multifamily deal was two million bucks. So I went down to the bank and I had my IRA take a loan for the other million. Is that fair? Everyone following? Well, the IRS says I don't have to pay any taxes on my gains from my million dollars. Right, that's my money. I don't have to pay any taxes on that. But the other million, I borrowed. Because I borrowed this and this isn't really my money and I'm leveraging it to grow my retirement account. I have to pay taxes on the percentage of debt leverage. And it's called unrelated debt finance income tax. Ugh. Sounds gross. It's really not that bad, okay? Huh, yep, UBIT. So that's not the legal term, UBIT is a UDFI is what we're talking about. It's a subdivision of UBIT, okay. Okay, which is unrelated business income tax. That's a great. So. Uh, I grew up in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> the hood of taxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were a room full of dorks. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Right. So this isn't a bad thing, though. Because guess what? When I have to pay taxes on any of my investments, I get to claim what? I get to claim depreciation, right? To help offset it. I get to claim expenses. So now when my IRA has to pay a tax because it took a loan, guess what I get to claim? I get to claim depreciation. I get to go ahead and start claiming expenses. Not only get to claim the full amount, do I? Because 50% in our example is tax-free. The other 50% is being taxed, so I only get to claim 50% of what that would be. All right, 50% of the debt leverage, 50% of the expenses, 50% of the depreciation, whatever it is, that's what I get to claim. Now, what's even more unique about it, though, is people are like, all right, well, I guess I have to pay some tax. That sucks, but I get it. Hmm? But it's not, a, it's not even that bad. Because month one, I'm 50% debt leverage. But what about month two? Did I make a payment to the bank? I hope so, right? So am I really still 50% debt leverage as a month two? Month three, it comes down more, month four, month five. So as we make payments to the bank to pay off this loan, the debt leverage gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Understanding I don't get to claim as much depreciation or expenses, but my taxes at that point that are owed will get smaller and smaller and smaller. Now there, go ahead. Is there a difference between whether you be uh, passive in that uh, in that uh, as a passive investor in the deal or being active investor? Yes, there's a big difference. So when it comes to any type of taxation, all right, what is the one thing that is not taxed to even individuals, LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps, IRAs? Does anyone know? Interest payments. So when I receive an interest payment for something, it isn't taxed. So if I took my IRA and it was debt leveraged Right, but not directly. Maybe I invested into a multifamily deal and the company itself went and took a loan, right? They raised a bunch of capital, which is typical, right? And then they took a big loan out from the bank. My IRA is technically debt leveraged. 
well, how was that loan structured? Did I do a loan to them and they're gonna pay me interest payments? Or did I take equity in the deal, all right? Those are two different things. Equity would be taxed, loans would not. This is another reason actually why I stick with lending as a private lender, right? Because I never have to worry about taxation. The only thing I have to worry about is usury rate. Can't charge a whole bunch of points, so. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, but what I don't understand is that if, if, that, if, if, if we still have to pay the tax on the leverage portion, mm -hmm. then uh, if I give you a different analogy, so sure. for example, uh, I invested in some other company right. that also invested, that buying a Apple stock. Perfect. Apple stock using a leverage Perfect. to run this business, any other business too. Do I need to pay UBIT tax on them? Most likely not. So if you invest in that type of company, you'd be investing not into an LLC typically, it'd be into either an S Corp or C Corp, okay? Now if you're investing into one of those, that's gonna be structured differently and it's not a necessarily a pass-through entity, meaning the corporation itself would be the one to receive all the taxes and the investor would not. Okay, so as long as the company that, be, that I invested in it's not passed through, then I don't need to pay the UBIT. But if it's passed through, then that, the, the UBIT goes to my IRA. That's correct, perfect. Now, sometimes there are specific LLCs that they agree to pay any of the UBIT tax, but you're agreeing that you're not gonna claim any depreciation on it. All right, so you can structure it that way, but that's in your usually your subscription agreement when you do the investment, all right? So the only investor I've really seen do that consistently is a guy named Brad Sumrock. Have you ever heard of him? He's a, uh, you have? Okay. He's a big multifamily guy and he, he deals in that. He also only lets though 20% of the funds come from IRAs because of that. So once he hits his 20% max, he doesn't take anymore because he doesn't want to pay too much in UBIT tax. Yes. Gosh, I am a dork when I hear myself talk. <laughs> so um, can you use the question and yes, you can, but it would be a down payment for the IRA. Remember, the IRA is an individual. The IRA would be doing the down payment. The right. IRA would be the one buying the house. The IRA will be the one to take the loan from the bank. Okay, so, um, and also, can that be uh, to buy a property that you actually live in there, but then you use it for Airbnb? <laughs> so, no, 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 you're okay. So here's the thing is with the Airbnb, which has blown up in about the last year and a half, right? Airbnb is getting really, really big. You are not allowed to live in your property, okay? We all understand that. So if I bought a vacation home, a beach home, right? And I was using this beach home as an Airbnb. Can I do this? Yes. Can I stay in the property? No. Okay. <laughs> what happens if your friend pays for it and then he gets your uh, So, <laughs> when you call your IRA custodian on a recorded line, right, and you tell them, hey, I bought an Airbnb and I'm going to go spend the weekend at the beach oh, at no. it, I'm going to be like, thank you for telling me that. I have to immediately alert the IRS and let them know. Okay. Realistically though, is are you gonna be calling me and telling me that? Now, if you're gonna claim that as your homestead and you're gonna go live there and you're gonna have mail forwarded there to you, for you, for your purposes, it is no longer an investment. That is something you're using consistently. 
that is illegal, right? The IRS then goes back to that where they're gonna take my retirement account, okay? But do we have people that they buy vacation properties and use it as Airbnbs? Sure. Are they staying at it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How difficult That's it is for uh, IRN to get a loan from the bank? So it's actually not as difficult as you think. All right. Uh, it has to get what's called a non-recourse loan. And there's specific banks that deal strictly in that. There's three of them that are pretty big out here in Texas. One of them's called Blink Lending. One of them's called Investor Loan Source. And then the other one's uh, North American Savings Bank. All of them have their own criteria. Honestly, interest rates aren't bad. They range between four and 8%. You know, like it's a, honestly, it's a typical bank. So, question. Um, you mentioned that in your private money loans, you don't have to pay taxes. Right. Then why do you loan from your IRA? Because, once again, where's the majority of my wealth? Oh, okay. okay, I'm not saying I won't do a loan outside of my IRA, right? but I have a bunch of money sitting in a retirement account right now. I suck in the stock market, man. I okay. can't make money to save my life. I really can't. At the same time, I can go ahead and be safe and put it in a CD, a bond, or a mutual fund. Uh -huh. And what do I get on that? 2%? 3% if I'm lucky? Or could I find a good real estate investor and would you pay me better than that? Yeah, sure. So why would why would I even waste time looking at those other things? But I guess if you had a hundred thousand, hundred thousand, one in the IRA, one not, you would use your non-IRA money first for loans because you can use nope. the other money. I would be using the IRA money for loans strictly because that's money I can't touch. That's money for the future. Okay. Right. That's money that I just want to keep accumulating, right? Get my compounding interest and consistently rolling it that way. If I have $100,000 in my checking account, realistically, I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna take $25,000 each, put down four down payments on four rental properties and buy four different houses, right? And make money today, yeah. right? I can make more money doing rentals and fix and flips with that 100 grand than I can on a loan. But from a tax perspective, is it better for your IRA to purchase those homes? Sure, sure is. And then do the loans out of the checking account? It sure is, okay. right? But that's not how I think, okay. okay? Not saying it's the right way, not saying it's the wrong way. Everyone thinks differently, mm -hmm. right? I like the loan aspect from the IRA because I can't be hands-on. Remember, with the rental properties, the fix and flips, I can't hire myself. I can't go be the one to go work on a property. I can't cut myself a check and go help the tenants. Mm -hmm. That can be a pain in the ass. So, right? Well, you have a twin brother? I wish. <laughs> but on the loan side, I don't have to deal with that. Like I said, I've only had a foreclose once. Yeah. And I actually got really lucky. Uh, the foreclosure went really well. We just let the property go to the auction and went for $20,000 more than we thought. And I was like, oh, that worked out good. <laughs> Anyways, through that process, understanding that on the other side, with the fix and flips and the rentals, I typically have to be more hands-on. Sure. Logistically, it's harder. So... Is it good, is it bad? Oh, right? What's, what do you like? What are you interested in? One of the slides I said was invest in what you know best. Taking control of it, you doing it. What do you wanna do? So if that's the way you wanna structure it, that makes sense. Okay. Any other questions? See, this is great. Alexis, are you learning anything? Lots. <laughs> She's worked with us for a whole month. So this is a crash course for her. In the little example I gave, I made 58% return on this one deal. 
it was still a small deal, right? I didn't make a whole bunch of money. You know, I, I invested a little over $4,500 and I got back $7,200, right? That's, you don't get rich off that. But it was nice because it was something small. And understand that a lot of times we see these type of deals come through because a parent set up an account like this for a child, right? And they found these type of deals. Remember, you can partner in IRAs together. Could this have been my IRA and my spouse's IRA? Sure. Right? Could this have been my IRA and my kids' IRA? Sure. Right? So understanding when you start looking across the board, you can utilize your family's money and help direct it in very unique ways. Great example is in Jimmy knows my girlfriend. I got to find out something something interesting about her parents. You ready? They have $800,000 sitting in their mattress. Do you know why? Because they're scared to invest it. They're scared to put it in the public market because they always see it go down, they see it go up, they see it go down. So they literally keep it in a mattress. I was like, well, let me show you what I can do. Let's put it into something tangible, something I can touch, something I can feel, something I can see, right? Worst case scenario, what happens? If I give Jimmy a loan for a property and he can't perform, what would what, what I do? I take the property back. Did I lose any money at this point? Maybe a little bit, but I still have something tangible. Let's get worse than that. The property burns to the ground. Not even his fault. Hopefully we had insurance, right? I require uh, insurance before I do a loan, but some people don't. But let's pretend we didn't. We still have the land. We have something still to fall back on. Has anyone ever put money in a stock and had it go down to virtually zero? I've tried penny stocks before. <laughs> Anyone who laughs at that, they've done it themselves. So, so what's the strategy to move 800,000 cash into so, the system? Great question. So what I did, <laughs> no, 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 it's, so they are still nervous to do investments, right? So I found a deal. I found a great deal with a great borrower out in Austin. Uh, as a matter of fact, the whole reason when I do loans now, I have to have a clause in there saying you have to hold my money for a minimum of 90 days. Because the first loan I did with them, they pay me back in two weeks. <laughs> Meaning I got virtually nothing out of it. I don't charge points. Right? So that sucks for me. <laughs> what was the reason that you say you don't charge points again? I didn't, I Honestly, it's, for me, it's a sales tactic. That's really it, right? It's Every one percent, man. One month, one percent. Yeah, one percent a month. It sounds really good. It's one percent a year. Yeah. Right. So uh, I do make you pay my attorney's fees, though. Right. To draft up the note, we use my attorney, and because of my position here, you have to understand my job is to fly around the country and do this. I receive on average eight to ten deals a day. People ask me to lend them money, so I get really picky at it, right? You know, and I do a lot of research on the property prior. And once I find a group of usually borrowers, I have four right now that are fantastic. Uh, I got to the point now for one of them, I don't even vet the deals anymore. They say, hey, I need some money. I say, great, which is actually this specific one. So with this specific borrower, what I did is I said, hey, let's do something. Let's set you up a small IRA. Let me show you what I can do with your, with your funds, okay? And all I did is I had them take $6,000 and put it in an account, right? Stop. Not much, right? Out of that $800,000, that's nothing. And I go ahead and we did our loan, we did our note, and it will be paying off as of May 1st. In total, 
they're going to get back 450 bucks. That's not a lot of money. But the total return on it is great for them. Did they do anything? No. Was the rate of return for them good? Sure. Worst case scenario, what happens? They still have the property. I physically made them go out and look at the property. I made them walk in and check on the construction. I made them go and see, and now they're starting to feel comfortable. The note hasn't even paid off yet. They've gotten two payments from the borrower. What do you think they said, Jimmy? Do you have any more loans? There you go. Do you have, can we do that again? I got a little bit more money. And I was like, really, how much more money do you have? As if my girlfriend didn't tell me and I'm going to play sit and play dumb. <laughs> right? So understanding in this aspect, my girlfriend's parents, in our example, they only put up $6,000. Who do you think put up the other, the rest of the funds? I did. What do you think that made them do? Made them feel more comfortable. And it wasn't actually just me. I used my retirement account and my girlfriend's retirement account so they could see what I was doing. They could see I wasn't only building wealth for me, I was building wealth for their daughter. I was also building wealth for them. So going through this type of process really made them feel comfortable. And a lot of times we have grand grandparents, you know, parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, that are doing exactly that. They have these 401ks, these IRAs, this mattress money that they're too scared to invest. I didn't ask for them to invest $800,000. That's dumb. Am I going to get it? I hope so. <laughs> right? But I walked them through a very light process knowing long-term thinking. Remember, guys, I'm not in this to get rich quick. I'm not in this to... I got nothing to sell you. Like, I, <laughs> I'm here for info. Uh, so the 800 was already in the IRA. You Wrong. No, 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 no. I'm not lying. It's... Like, <laughs> oh, I thought his question is how do you convert that into? Yeah, yeah that's his question. Yeah. I can't. All right, I can't. I can't just put it all into a year. But what I can do is I can have them make their max contribution each year of seven thousand dollars to each of their accounts. It's fourteen grand a year. Now it's not a lot. Each one. Right. But now that at least starts me off with some money to start utilizing with them. If they want to do a larger loan, I would at this point in time advise against it. Because I still want them to be a little more comfortable. Right? As a matter of fact, we bought them cruise tickets to come on a financial friends cruise. <laughs> you know, so that way they can see other real estate investors and get to meet more people and see that there's better places to park your money than the public side of things. And that's all it's for. So they each can contribute seven thousand a year, is what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> that's because they're over fifty. So six thousand for most people in this room. Oh, I see. If anyone in here is over fifty, it's seven thousand for you, six thousand if you're under. You don't have to prove the source of. Usually, you get labeled as a money launderer. Yeah. Try to deposit a bunch of cash. Yeah. Yep. But if you're doing yeah. six thousand, you don't have to prove the source of. No, ten thousand above you have to in a year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you have a lot of cash. Yeah, it's not like it's sitting in their checking account. Like it's not like actually in their mattress, but I'm like calling it like mattress money. Like not like if I cut open their mattress, they're like laying out a pile of cash. What's their address? Yeah, right. Laying <laughs> out a group of ones. <laughs> Through this little process we did, I, me and Brian were in control the whole time, and this is actually really important to me because typically for most investors, they're not in control, right? I have no control on making a stock go up or down. I have no control over any type of public asset, public investment. And that's why it scares me. 
And so with the private side of things, it doesn't matter if it's a small business, right? If it was the gold and silver aspect, if it was real estate for people in this room, you get to be in control. So, but click next. Is there anything else? I don't know what they put on the slides. Oh, waste the profit now. Well, that's probably important. <laughs> but click next one more time. Something called OPI. Anyone ever hear this term? Right? It's not the nail polish. Some of the girls think that's what it is. <laughs> but it's actually something called other people's IRAs. Boop. Bam. So I cannot profit from my IRA today. But you know who can? Every one of you in this room. You have already asked about me doing loans. So guess what? Do you think she could profit from your IRA? George, you got some maybe money to lend to someone? Suddenly, you can leverage someone else's retirement accounts to benefit your needs today, right? And help yourself out today. So that's usually what people will start to do, okay? Is, man, I need some money. I don't know where to get any. And I just found out that the majority of people's wealth is sitting in a retirement account. And if I walk up to the average person, I don't care who it is, and I say, hey, do you have $50,000 to lend me for my fix and flip? What are they, they going to tell me? <laughs> You're high. Like, no. But I would say, do you have a 401k? Do you have an IRA? Do you have a 403b? Do you have a pension plan, a TSP, a TRS? One of these things? The majority of people do. And then I always like to ask, well, what is it invested in? Oh, right, whatever the company invested in. Well, what are you getting on it? Start digging in, ask them questions. So, if I could give you a better return, if I could pay you 10%, would that be good? I could pay you 8% on your 401k. Would you be interested in that? Huh. Well, great. Let me show you how I can do that. And not only can I pay you that 8%, 10%, 12%, I can secure your investment. So worst case scenario, you get to keep this lovely home, right? And it's just something different. So understanding how to leverage other people's retirement accounts really makes sense. So anything else? Questions, comments, concerns? Um, I thought contributions to an IRA or Roth IRA requires income. It does. It require, require, blah, 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 requires some sort of earned income each year. Most people in this room have some sort of earned income, whether it's 1099, W-2, Schedule C, okay. right? You have some sort of LLC at the end of the year you take a draw from, right? <laughs> Almost everyone in this room has some sort of earned income. Typically, the only people I, I run into that issue with is kids, like legit kids, yeah. or people that are really tired or retired really <laughs> really retired yeah. so okay. Okay. so do you have to make this 7,000 to contribute 7,000 can you yes. just make 3,500 and contribute 7,000 nope nope okay. I can't I can't contribute less than yeah. I made gotcha. right I have to you know at least make that amount. now there's ways to make larger contributions there are some of those other accounts so far we only talked really about the traditional and Roth IRA right when I went to that previous screen, way back in the beginning, don't go back. <laughs> There's a lot of other accounts. Each one of those allows for larger contributions. The largest one being $55,000 a year. Oh, wow. So The SEP, right? Yep, the SEP IRA. So there's ways to shovel in a whole bunch of money to start getting tax advantages and tax deductions or grow it tax-free. So any other questions? Set, set, set is, uh, the set is 25%. Maximum contribution is set is 25% of your set will be annually. That's correct. So it's 25% 25 if you're W-2, 20% if you're anything else, 1099 or Schedule C or something. 
So don't let a bad CPA tell you it's always 25%. We've had a lot of people get in trouble because CPAs are dumb. So what's the rule on um, you personally borrow money from your IRA and then after paying it back, so, can you borrow unlimited time? Or? You can't borrow money for yourself personally, okay. all right, to okay. do anything. All right, that's a distribution. However, once a year, I can go ahead and take money from a retirement account, doesn't matter what it is, all right, it doesn't have to be an IRA, it could be any type of retirement account, and I have 60 days to get that money back in there before I have to pay the taxes. So hypothetically, if I had an IRA and I pulled out $100,000, I have 60 days to get that $100,000 back in the account, and I'm good to go. The downside to this is people start thinking, okay, I got an idea, right? Ah, I'm this guy. <laughs> what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take all the money on my 401k, I'm gonna invest it in this, I'm gonna make a whole bunch of money, but then I'm gonna go ahead and put my $100,000 back because that's what I pulled out and I'm gonna keep this little bucket of money that I made for myself, right? <laughs> nope. So you run into something called, and this is why I'm here, and this is why they pay me the big bucks to study IRS tax code, but you run into something called net income attributable, all right? Meaning any money I made off of the money I pulled from my retirement account has to also go back in there, okay? Oh. If, it's, if you don't, you're gonna be taxed and penalized on that portion, usually pretty close to 50%. The thing is, how, how do they know that what you use the money for? It's a great question, and it's typically gonna be when you get audited, all right? now. Here's what really sucks is people are like, all right, well, auditing rules aren't bad, right? And if I maybe made a small amount of money, if I made a thousand bucks, they probably wouldn't notice, right? I can pocket that and get away with it. Ten thousand bucks, yeah, I might. You know, I can, if I want to deposit, I'd keep it in cash. Twenty thousand, uh, I don't know, fifty thousand, you're gonna get hit. <laughs> so you really got to determine and figure out your own risk factor. Understand that method though, you guys, you can only do once every calendar year, not tax year. So if I did it in April 24th, when can I do that move again? April 24th of the next year. It's not January 1st right, of the new tax year. You have to wait every calendar year, okay? So so there's a... a prank laws on owner financing for yes. people. Can your IRA just do unlimited and just run a business? So yes and no. So we believe it or not, uh, we're last year we sent two attorneys and our marketing director to Congress to fight the dot frank rule. Okay, when it comes to the IRAs and honestly just seller financing in general. It's a great tool. Unfortunately a lot of bad gurus leveraged it the wrong way and hurt the investment community with it, right? Which is why that was all created, right? The downside is we don't really know what we can base it off of. So there was a court case in 2016 where someone did seven seller financing deals a year in one year and the IRS flagged it. And they said, hey, they didn't like that. And they made them structure it differently. They didn't penalize them or tax them, but because they made them structure the deal differently, the guy ended up selling off three of the houses and kept four. Based off this court case, okay, this court case is kind of set now the premise for seller financing and IRAs. So we stick with four a year. Whether it really is or not, I don't know, right? But it's, that's what we're basing it off of is a court case dealing with uh, someone with an IRA 
and someone going to court with the IRS. So the attorney in that was a guy named John Heyer. You can look him up. Uh, the whole court, uh, if you want to read about the court case, it's on IRAlawyer.com. So can you imagine having my job? <laughs> I get to read that stuff. <laughs> So. Anything else, guys, before I close it up? Bueller, Bueller? Yeah, what, what's, what's the name of the uh, bank that do a loan to IRA? So one of them's called Blink Lending. Blink okay, Lending. the CEO of that is a company, uh, is a guy named Paul Lamontos. Another one is called Investor Loan Source, or ILS. Their website is literally ILS.cash. CEO of that company is a guy named Tom Barry. Both of them are local to Houston. So those are great because they're here, they work with real estate investors, you'll see them around at almost any networking event. Okay, the other one is a company called uh, North American Savings Bank, they're US wide. So, so do they loan based on your own credit? I mean, I know it's, it's over. No, IRA. so a non-recourse loan is the exact opposite of what you're thinking. Typically when you get a loan, what does the bank look at? Credit. Your credit, your job history, your tax statements, all that good stuff. An IRA doesn't have a job. And IRA doesn't file taxes. So what do, you, what do you think the bank looks at? Property. The property. So believe it or not, typically the people that are doing these non-recourse loans, these banks, they're actually real real estate investors themselves. They're lenders like myself that ended up with too much capital now and own a bank. Right? And so now they do the non-recourse loans to people and they literally vet your deal. And if it makes sense to them, they do the investment. That's why the interest rates, uh, like you said, it's higher. Honestly, the interest rates typically aren't that bad. Like I said, I've, they, I've seen them as low as 4%. I've seen up to 8%. Uh, the worst one I've seen was it was like 4%, but they charged like seven points up front. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Who paid seven points on that? <laughs> yes. So they, they, but they're probably looking at the amount that you have in the IRA, right? They do, yeah. yeah because none recourse they still need to make sure that yep. they have it. So. Do yeah. they do a lot of credit on their IRA? Mm, no, they typically don't. Okay, but it's not a line of credit. They can do something very similar to like a construction, <coughs> right? Where you can, hey, we'll give you a loan for $100,000, but here's the first 20. You know, oh, okay. let me know when you need the next 20. Right? Oh, here's your next 20. Right. And, uh, and so I've seen those. So it's very similar to a construction loan. So, can I open a credit card? Nope, oh. cannot. It's not a physical person, dude. It's a, it's a piece of paper. <laughs> Good question though, never had that one. <laughs> so um, in your folders guys, does everyone have a little folder? There's a billion flyers, Jimmy I'm taking yours, sorry, sucks to you. All these are events, they are completely free, there's alcohol, there's food, like every single one of them, all right? I love this blue flyer right here though, okay? If you notice every Tuesday morning, flip it over, flip it over, boop, boop, or look at with all the little faces. There's a class that happens every Tuesday morning at 9:30 a.m. All right, who do you think can show up to a class at 9:30 a.m.? Retirees. Bam and bam, investees. Okay, people without a job, people without a career. Okay, but you laugh, but why do you think? What is their job? Their job is to be an investor. Okay, they don't need to be sold a program. How many times have you guys go to an event and someone's, oh, you did you like what you hear? Fifty thousand dollars to keep working with me. <laughs> right, you get you get those all over the place. 
No, no, no. The people that show up to these events, they're ready to do business. They have money to lend. They're looking to borrow. There's wholesalers, there's fiction flippers, you name it. All right. So Tuesday morning, there's on average 50 to 55 people there. Okay. It's a great place to meet. And I label it as real investors. Flip it over. <laughs> there's other events that always go on the evening. All our evening events have free alcohol and free food. So that's nice. We teach a different topic each time. Once again, whichever speaker comes in, they're not allowed to sell you any programs. Okay, so it's strictly there for you, and it's free networking, right? It's a great place to meet people, find your next deal, and it, the list goes on and on, right, guys? Every flyer is something different from... Anyone in here a realtor? We have NCEs. Oh, that's right, we got EXP in here. <laughs> so we have NCEs that are three hours long. We buy you lunch. Okay, you can come in, you get three hours of uh, your free education to go towards your real estate license. So, bam. The next one is, oh, that's a little ways away. It's June 13th, so it's a little over a month, right? But it just keeps going on and on and on. There's some flyers in there about private lending, you know, some steps to open an account. I'm gonna bust out this sexy beast though. <laughs> Everyone see this thingy? This is, if you would like, an IRA with moi. Yes. Kaboom. <laughs> Thanks, I don't work out. <laughs> so, we try to be as open as we can, guys. I don't do all of this for free. All right? We do set you up IRAs, and believe it or not, I charge you fees. <laughs> so we have a whole bunch of fees. If you go to the very first page, you'll see a list of fees that we charge if you want an IRA with me. Okay, I try to be as open about the fees as I can. Did you want a folder? Yeah. You don't have a folder. Oh. Who doesn't have a folder? I have a folder. It's back there. Ah, uh -huh. she's gonna get I'm you a folder. Kaboom. <laughs> All right, guys. But I so I want to go over every single fee so there's no mistaking it. Okay, and if we start, there's a one-time opening fee of a hundred bucks. Yeah. You see that? Boom. One time, it's under transaction fees. We're starting on the transaction fee side. It's right oh, here. One time opening fee of $100. Does everyone see that? Yeah. After you pay that fee, every other fee on that page will apply when you do an investment. Okay? I charge you $125 to buy an investment. Some sort of a banking fee. This is one of those wire fees, ACHs, cashier's checks that you see on there. Does everyone see that? Now let's jump up top. And there's an annual fee of your account. If you look at option one, and I'm rounding up, but it's a flat fee of $300 a year based off your investment. Or option two is a quarterly fee. People think it's a lot cheaper, but you have to read the small print. Don't get suckered in by someone dumb. Okay? Small print shows you it's a quarterly fee based on what your account is worth. This is why I don't charge points when I do a loan. You know why? Hey, you want to borrow my 1% a month, are you in? Great, you have to cover my attorney's fees. She charges 250 to draw up the promissory note. And you have to cover my transaction fees because I'm not going to pay to give you my money. That's retarded, all right? It's $125 to borrow the funds and you have to cover the wire fee, is that fair? And if you can't cover my 125, I'm probably not going to do the loan with you anyways because that's not very much. So understanding this is just different. A lot of times our clients, the fees don't really affect them, which is why we can be so open about them. 
provides the very first page of the application. So, any questions about those? Click. Is it annual fees for a calendar year? Click, 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 like six times. What was that? Annual fees for a calendar year or next year? No, so it's going to be per, uh, for the time you did the investment, okay? Now, once again, it's $100 to set up the account, right? When do the rest of those fees apply? When you do an investment. So that $300 a year doesn't kick in until when? You do the investment, right? So if I have the account there and it's sitting there for a whole year, I'm not being charged 300 bucks if that's the fee schedule I'm on. Does that make sense? So understand that we are fee-based as a custodian. Why do you think that is? I can't make money off your investments. All those other custodians you guys are used to get to make money off your investments. They get to actually do your investments. That's why they sell you something, right? And they're really making more money on the mutual funds or CDs. So how much does it cost, guys? Click. A hundred bucks to set up an account. Not bad, right? It's option three. Option three is really unique because it's for the family. It's $2,400, but that's for you and your entire family. So if you, a lot of times we have clients, they open up an account for them, their spouse, their kids, maybe their parents, all right? Well, our fees start to add up at that point. So if you have a whole family full of people and your fees equal together, more than $2,400, that's where the fees stop. So, I mean, that's still a pretty hefty fee, you know, but. So it's only a hundred bucks to set up an account. But wait, I'm ShamWow guy. ShamWow, click. <laughs> Today, it's completely free. Now, the only reason it's free, okay, it's free with a side of free. <laughs> so we won't charge you anything if you wanted to set up an account, but here's why. Because I'm sitting here in front of you, okay? When I go back to my office, I have to write a report on if this event was a good event or not. And you know what they base that off of? How many accounts did we open up? Did we move in money? Did you have a lot of questions, right? So if I go back there and I'm like, hey, guess what, guys? I opened a whole bunch of accounts. They're like, really? I'm like, sure did. I'm not gonna tell them I waived the fee. They have no clue. So if I leave here tomorrow and you're like, hey, Derek, I need to set up an account with you. I'll be like, great. You know what I'm gonna tell you? It's a hundred bucks. <laughs> now, I'm saying that I don't want you to set up an account with me because I'm offering it to you for free. If you're going to set up an account and do, and do absolutely nothing with it, then why did you do it? All right. If you're really going to set up an account and you're really considering using it and moving over one of those other retirement accounts, take advantage. You know, take it for free. It is what it is. Ultimately, though, in the future, usually people start working with me one way or the other, and you save yourself a whopping hundred dollars. I don't know about you guys, but I've blown a hundred bucks on some dumb stuff. You know. <laughs> Any questions, guys? I'm done. Hey, so. Hey, Derek. Uh, what's uh, what was the uh, restructuring of your company that happened recently, from Quest oh. IRA to Quest Trip? So, does anyone know about that? No. That was actually a uh, a big honor to us. Oh, good. So, uh, any type of retirement custodian, okay? Any custodian, any bank, anything that offers retirement accounts is regulated by a company called Mainstar. Mainstar is overseen by the Banking Commission. <laughs> that reports to the IRS, like they're side by side. So the Banking Commission regulates Mainstar and Mainstar regulates the custodians. Quest grew too large and the Banking Commission took notice. And they said, hey guys, 
you have a little over $2 billion just sitting. And I'm like, yeah, we do. We can't allow Mainstar to regulate you guys because you're too big. So we need you to become a trust company and we're going to regulate you directly. So you say, oh, wow, it's a great thing for you guys because guess what? I have to be 100% in compliance, don't I? Right? Which is why you ask, oh, can I record this stuff? Sure you can. Right? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Right? Can I live in my vacation property? No. <laughs> so understanding that that move came from the banking commission. So we went from Quest IRA, we had to change our name, we went to Quest Trust. So it wasn't a bad thing, it was actually a great thing on one hand, because uh, when you're regulated by Mainstar, you actually have to pay him a fee of $250,000 every quarter just to be regulated by him. I don't have to pay that fee anymore. Lucky <laughs> us. So. How quickly do you get to use the, the money? Immediately, I'm a transaction-based company. So how fast do you think I want to fund your transaction? I get to charge you a fee. <laughs> you think I want to sit on that? The same day? Mm, sure. As long as you have all the investment paperwork ready. Right? So understand that like you're like, okay, hey, I got the money in there. I'm ready to do an investment. I'm like, great. What are you doing? Oh. Yeah. Right? Uh, you got to come with a contract. What does the contract have to say? It has to say your IRA's name on it. Right? It has to make sure all the vesting is proper, which we have people on our transactions teams that deal in that consistently. Like the pretty girl at the back. <laughs> any questions guys if you'd like an account i'm going to hang out for about 10 minutes or so please fill out an application remember once i leave here that little thingy is done no one knows i'm doing this so all right guys question one uh, so this transaction base i mean it makes sense with transaction like real estate and whatnot but if someone who just started this contributing to their account, mm -hmm. so let's say they have five, ten grand, sure. and if they want to start small, they start doing, I don't know, public transaction like bond or mutual fund or stock. Remember what I said at the beginning, I can't do those, right? We have two types of custodians. You have oh, a public okay. one so the and a private one. Yeah. The private ones hold what? Okay. Private assets, public right. ones hold public assets. They call the private side self-directed, but it's made up. <laughs> Bam. Anyone else? So if you convert today, does that mean that you are in the process of bringing your, um, your fund from whatever the uh, holder of your 401k is over to press RA, or you just have to... Typically not right away, all right? So the reason why, so let's say right now, I'm sorry, George, I picked on you a lot today. He opens up an account with me today, and he moves his 401k in right now. All right, George, is your 401k invested? Right yeah. now, is yeah. it it's perfect? Is do you know what it's earning? Honestly, one. I'm uh, just gonna one percent. Can I stick with that? Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna say he's earning one percent a year. It's not a lot, but when it sits at my company, how much are you earning, George? Zero. Zero. I make a joke about it, but it sits like a rock. Okay. People don't typically have a lot of money sit with us <coughs> because I can't put it in one of those public assets. So usually, what happens is people set up accounts with us. They go, they find their investment. Now they found their investment. Now, hey, you know what? Instead of me taking a loan for this property and doing that, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and move my 401k over and buy this house. Now, George is gonna go through the process of moving the money in, all right? And it's all because he doesn't want to just let the money sit. 1% a year sucks. 0% a year sucks more. <laughs> so understanding usually what happens is people set up accounts with us all right, 
and they'll wait a little bit of time to fund it until they find their investment. Do you have a question? Or is it just What would happen if custodians go bankrupt? Great question. All custodians have to have what's called FDIC insurance. Okay, it doesn't matter who you are, right, which is part of the reason we're regulated directly by the Banking Commission. Who knows what FDIC insurance means? Yeah, I actually think it was increases here to 275, uh, which is kind of nice. But uh, if it wasn't, that was really up for debate, and it went 275, 250, 275. It went back to 250, I'm sorry. So fact check me on that one, okay? Per account, right? Don't confuse this FDIC insurance with insurance on your investment. For some reason, we've had people think that. What it means is if the company goes under, if the company disappears for whatever reason, the government's there and they're going to take over all the assets. And usually, what they do is they give it to a, a like a mine, you know, like a uh, custodian. If Bank of America went under, Wells Fargo would bring on all of their accounts. So you don't really lose anything. It just kind of goes the next person in charge. So, is that, bam. That's also right there on that very first page, it talks about the FDIC insurance right at the bottom, so. So let's say giggity, I giggity. to open the account today, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't have any uh, IRA uh, balance in sure. the past. Maximum every year only can contribute $6,000. That's correct. That's the max you can put in. So, now there are other ways to make larger contributions. We briefly mentioned it. It's the SEP IRA, and there's other ways of doing that, right? So there are ways to shovel in more money. We don't see too many people, though, making large, large contributions consistently. So I'm a terrible salesperson. And until we... Uh, I should we, hide all the fees. <laughs> and we can only get the money back when we retire, right? Like when so you can only benefit from the profit when you retire. Now here's what's really unique and people don't realize this. When I make a contribution to a retirement account, meaning I took money from my checking or my savings account and I put it in there, was that before tax or after tax most likely? After, after tax. This means the IRS can't double tax me on it. And I can actually always pull out my contributions anytime, tax-free and penalty-free, right? Okay. Now I didn't say I can pull, always. No, for a Roth. Always. <laughs> Not the traditional. With the traditional as well. Now, with the traditional, I have an extra option. It grows what we call tax deferred. Right. Okay? But when I make a contribution to the account, I receive a tax form called a 5498. If I'm doing it myself, I have to file an 8606. Imagine memorizing all these numbers. Okay? Now, with the traditional IRA, I have two options. Option one. I can go ahead and take a tax deduction with that money, right? Ah, that's what now, if I took a tax deduction and I go ahead and pull out my contributions, what do you think has to happen? I have to pay the tax. <laughs> but if I didn't take my tax deduction, which remember in the Roth IRA, if I put money in, I can't take a tax deduction. I can pull it out, what would be labeled as tax-free. It's not really tax-free, it's just you've already paid the taxes. So a lot of times people don't realize that. So once you start using the contributions to grow the account initially, your earnings will start to outweigh the contributions and you can pull those back out. How do you move an active 401k fund? Is it active at your current job? Yeah. So it's gonna depend on your job, okay? Most likely they're still paying into it and they may not allow you to move it, all right? Certain companies will. Um, if, 
it all depends. Some of them don't mind getting it off their books. Sometimes what you can do is called an indirect rollover, and they'll allow you to go ahead and pull out the money that you've personally contributed, not what the company's contributed. And when you pull out that money, you can put that into an IRA. And how do I check that? You have to ask your HR or operations department, you know, if you're still employed with them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not the not the company that manages your She would call Fidelity to yeah. see if she could do that, right? Sure. Yeah, if Fidelity's the one that holds it, yeah. but a lot of times, uh, it's easier just to ask like your human resources department. Believe it or not, they they know that stuff. They're the ones that set those up and have to fill. I know you're you're looking at me like I'm dumb. The first time the first time I told that to someone, they gave me that look right there. They gave me so many wrong answers for everything else, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least put some money on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> now she has me scared. Yeah. yeah. No, that's all right. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Any other questions, guys? Thanks a lot, Derek. Yeah, yeah thanks, yeah, yeah. Bam! Thank you. We would really like to thank Derek and Alexa from Quest for joining us and to teach us about self-directed IRA. If you want to learn more about Derek and Quest, please visit them at www.questtrustcompany.com. We would also like to thank bandsound.com for providing the awesome music. Finally, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash landlord association and leave us a comment. If you like the show or find the content helpful, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you listen to the podcasts. It will really help us spread the word and we very much appreciate it. Thanks again and see you on the next episode.